0: Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. All right, good morning. Man, God is good. God is really good. Is Izzy in here, Izzy Smith? Oh, hey, what's up? She (laughs) said... I started singing a song about the angels rejoicing uh, on Wednesday at youth, and uh, it's awesome. When one person accepts Jesus, heaven throws a party. Heaven throws a party, and and we get to join in that. Uh, This morning, we're going to talk about living hope. Uh, And I I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and talk about living hope. If you have your Bible, Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, not Bible, (laughs) Bible, Bible. First Peter, chapter one, verse three. We'll have it up on on the screen as well. Uh, Let's get started. Verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Father, I thank you that you give us living hope. Thank you for your great mercy. Fill us with hope this morning. Anoint the preaching of your word. Anoint the hearing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I wanna look at this phrase, living hope, beautiful phrase. I wanna zero in on that and then go through this passage and look at what it has to say for us, living hope. We see in God's word that he offers living hope, hope that stands the test of time, hope that endures, hope that presses through difficult circumstances, Um, living hope, and we all need hope, amen? We all need hope to survive the day sometimes, survive the week, survive the year. We need hope. And there are many people weighed down with hopelessness, and they try to fill that void, right? They try to fill uh, and numb that hopelessness through distraction or relationships or religion or science or substance abuse or or whatever it is. But Jesus offers living hope, eternal hope, hope that stands the test of time. in English, when we use the word hope, we typically mean wish, right? I hope something happens, or I hope it doesn't happen. It has to do with probability. Um, we might say, I, "I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow," or "I hope the Panthers win the Super Bowl." Um, <laughs> I don't know the probabilities on that. Um, <laughs> I hope, I wish, but but. Peter here in this this passage, he's not talking about wishful thinking. He uses this uh, interesting Greek word, elpis, and here's what it means, the eager expectation of what is certain. That's a big difference, right? This is not wishful thinking. Christian hope is not a hope that clings to a mere possibility, but it is a joyful, eager, confident expectation that God will fulfill his promises, Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God promised. And the strength of your hope is found in his faithfulness, his ability to deliver, not your ability to conjure up faith, okay? It's it's found in him and his faithfulness. Biblical hope, it doesn't just desire for good things to happen, it is confident that they will happen, that they will come. Um, Let me illustrate Uh, these two kinds of hope, wishful thinking and eager expectation with a story from when I was a kid. Uh, I used to be a part of 4-H. Anybody know what that is? 4-H, all right. Hands, health, heart, hippie, health. I don't know. I don't know. I was there to shoot bows and arrows and fish and stuff. But um, I joke with my mom, uh, you know, I just read uh, this week what 4-H was for because I had no idea when I was part of it. It's a positive youth development that empowers kids with leadership skills that last a lifetime. That's from the website. I didn't get any of that, but that's what it was. Uh, (laughs) I was just in it. Felt like Boy Scouts for uh, farm people. But so I used to sleepwalk a lot, especially as a kid. And I would find myself, I'd wake up in the middle of the floor, in the door jam, in the bathroom, Um, the funniest is I would get stuck between the wall and my bunk bed and I would just wake up in the corner and, and it was just weird. It was great for my parents. Um, and we were camping at 4-H camp. Okay. So I went, went to sleep. Okay. In the tent, but I woke up pitch black dark outside, had no idea where I was. I couldn't see anything. It was a cloudy night, moonless night. Um, I couldn't see anything. So I started to panic. I think I was 12 years old around there. I didn't know where I was. Couldn't see the camp, couldn't see a fire, couldn't see anything. So I start to stumble around, trip over roots. And, you know, as you might get more and more frantic um, and trying to find it. And I really hoped that I would find camp. There was a chance. There was a chance. It was small because, as I said, I didn't learn much in 4-H. I didn't learn navigation. Uh, (laughs) Did not learn anything. I didn't know where I was going. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to fall in a hole. I'm going to find a bear. I'm going to fall in the lake. I don't know where I'm going. I can't see anything. Um, but I know one thing, the sun's going to come up, sun's going to come up. And I had a confident expectation that the sun would rise. I could at least see my surroundings and maybe make it back to camp. Um, I had placed my hope, my faith, in the sun, in a sense, right? So I curled up under this tree. And thankfully, it was summer. It was like July, so it wasn't that cold. Um, and I just waited by this tree. Did I cry? Yes, I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and waited for morning. And the sun came up. And, and the camp was like a football field away, maybe pro- probably even less. And you know, like when you're a kid, you remember things as huge. I thought, I mean, everything was right there. But I still couldn't see. Um, I with the first service. I think God allowed me to have that so I could just have a sermon illustration. Um, hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is different. It is confident expectation. The sun had risen every morning of my life, right? I could bank on it. I was banking on the sun rising so that I could see. That's biblical hope. Let me read this from Romans 4. This is, this is even better uh, than my story. This is from the life of Abraham that shows the link between hope and faith. Romans 4, 18 says this, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Against hope, Abraham hoped. So what what Paul is doing, he's saying against probability, against natural hope, against circumstances, against what you can see, Abraham had Peace. He had eager expectation. It continues, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was 100 years old. And Sarah's womb was also dead, but he did not waver through unbelief regarding God's promises. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded in what? His ability to conceive? No, that God had the power to do what he had promised. Paul is saying that against normal expectations, against probability, Abraham had hope. And notice also, I think this is important. Um, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and his wife's womb was too. Um, This isn't confident expectation. Eager expectation is not a denial of reality, okay? It's not a denial of your circumstances. Uh, It's not the power of positive confession or name it, claim it, okay? Uh, Abraham didn't just say, I'm not old, I'm not old, I'm not old, I'm young, I am young, I am young, I confess it, I will be it, I will become it. That's not what he said, right? If anything, if he would have said anything, he is faithful, he is faithful, he is faithful, he's come through before, he's come through before. That's faith, that's the difference. Um, He was eagerly expecting God to fulfill his promises. His faith was strengthened by the one who had the power to do what he promised, okay? Um, And he knew him intimately. He was fully persuaded. Uh, So I I just want to encourage us this morning. This is all by way of introduction. We're going to get in the text. But I want to encourage you that you can have a living hope in Jesus Christ. You can have eager expectation, confident expectation that what God says is true and will come to pass. We have a hope that is rooted in the promise keeper, not in our circumstances. Rooted in the promise keeper. Um, and so we direct all of our hope toward Jesus Christ. You know that song, Phil Wickham's song, Living Hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope. And that's what we're talking about in 1 Peter, a vibrant expectation, a living hope. And I, and I want you to catch, let me, let me go back. This causes Peter to worship. He starts this off, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All that's about to happen is flowing from worship. All all of it is, I can't believe how merciful he is, that he would cause us to be born again, that he would give us a living hope, that Jesus rose from the dead. Blessed are you, Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was important for me, honestly, um, in preparing to preach that I'm not trying to craft an informative talk to you, right? I'm not trying to just pull out things okay, yeah, that follows from that, and that's true, and here's what this word means. That's important, but that it, that it gets in my heart and it comes out as worship to God. Yeah. Thank you for mercy. Well, the songs we sing, thank you for your mercy. Though our sins are many, your mercy is more. I just, I just wanted to point that out, that, that Peter is, is, is saying all this from a place of worship. Um, so I want to look at, at three, oh, did I just shine? Oh, yeah. All right. uh, I want to start. <laughs> Don't let me blind anybody. I want us to look at three beautiful realities about living hope uh, in this text. First of all, living hope has a firm foundation. Our confidence, our hope is only as good as the trustworthiness of what we're hoping in and what we're confident in, okay? Um, Just like the sun coming up. I was more confident in the sun coming up than my 12-year-old navigational skills So Peter is laying out a rock-solid foundation for our hope. Let's look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you will, there are three pillars for our firm foundation. The firm foundation of our hope found in this text. God's mercy, our new birth, and the resurrection of Jesus God's mercy, our new birth, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything starts with his mercy, though. Amen. Everything starts with his mercy. All of our hope rests on the fact that God did not leave us where we were, hopeless, without him, and in our sin, but he had abundant mercy toward us. He came after us. And yeah, there's not a a single one of us that deserves living hope or new birth or resurrection, but he gave it out of mercy, The Greek word for mercy here means undeserved kindness shown toward the miserable and afflicted combined with a desire to relieve them. That's beautiful. Every other religion or philosophy on the planet is based on our ascendancy to God, our trying to reach the divine, trying to reach enlightenment, to close the gap, if you will. And so from mysticism to moralism, to religion, to self-help, Uh, positive confession, I'm gonna close the gap, right? And that adds some level of meaning, but it doesn't produce living hope, resurrection, life, everlasting life. Christianity is not the story of us climbing the mountain and getting to God, right? It's not the story of us doing enough good and then trading God for eternal life. God, look at what I've done. It's the story of God coming down to us God becoming a man, becoming one of us, taking on human flesh, loving us, healing our diseases, healing us, mind, body, soul. It's the story of him dying on a cross, taking all of your sin on himself, taking the judgment of God for you, and then rising from the dead. And he'll come back one day. That's the story of Christianity. God Is the merciful God, great mercy, abundant mercy. Our living hope finds its foundation on the mercy of God, and that should fill us with confidence, right? That I didn't earn this, and this this has encouraged me uh, so, so much is that God didn't give mercy because he had to, because his hands were tied, because the Bible says so, whatever reason. The Bible says he delights in showing mercy. He loves to show mercy. That's what he's like. That's the kind of God we hope in. So it's a firm foundation. Second, our hope also finds its foundation in the new birth. According to his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Um, So if if you're new to the faith or or you haven't been around the church, you might hear the phrase, born again. Are you born again? I'm born again. Um, What does that mean? Well, Jesus Define this in John chapter 3 when he was uh, meeting with Nicodemus, who was a, a, a ruler of the Pharisees. He said this, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked a fair question, how can someone be born again when they are old? Surely they can't enter their mother's womb a second time, right? Makes sense. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And hallelujah, some of you were born again this week. Some of you, your heart came alive. This is an experience, new birth, by which the Holy Spirit gives you new life. It's like Marshall said in the first service, uh, it, it's not that he, he made your dead heart come alive. He didn't come to make bad people good, but dead hearts to come alive. That's the gospel. That's so good. New, new birth awakens a love for Jesus, a desire for him, a love for other people, a conviction you would die for, a hum, humble dependence on him. Um, it awakens those things. Listen, th- this we used to... Um, when we were down in Wilkesboro, uh, we were part of a youth group down there, and a lot of the kids would come, and they would say something similar like this. So I'm struggling with this sin or this addiction, but I really don't want to. I really don't want to. I want Jesus, but I'm I'm struggling with this, and I feel like I'm disqualified, or I feel like he doesn't love me, or I feel like I'm not a Christian even. (laughs) And... And what they didn't realize was you wouldn't even have that want, that desire to be like Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to encourage them that that desire to say, I want to be like Jesus. That's by the spirit. It's only by the spirit. It's only by the new birth. Nobody says I love Jesus by the flesh. It's only by the spirit. And, and may that encourage you, too, when it's like I don't feel like a Christian today. But the spirit might be awakening that in you to say, oh, I, wanna get, I wanna get with God. I wanna get with the Lord. Um, so God causes us to be born again. Again, this is good news because we didn't have anything to do with it. This is really good news. You didn't deserve new birth. You didn't enlighten yourself to it. You didn't earn it. You can't keep it. You didn't start it. God is the first cause. God is the first cause of new birth and that's really, really, really good news because that means that I don't have to constantly think I need to turn over a new leaf or I need to become more spiritual. All that can be done by human endeavor. One thing cannot be done by the flesh, the work of the Spirit, new birth, new birth, to be born again to a living hope. Alistair Begg says this about the role of our faith in that, because you might ask, well, then what do we have to, what, what part is our faith? What do we have to do with it? Faith is nothing other than the empty hand which reaches out to the initiative-taking merciful God and accepts the free offer of kindness and forgiveness and living hope. Empty hands, I say, God, I need you. I want you. Living hope, the mercy of God, the new birth. Third, the pillar of our hope's foundation, the third pillar is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, this is the central event of the cosmos, of history, um, of creation. It was planned in the mind of God before he made anything the resurrection, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the book of Revelation says. And I think it's it's important to realize that this wasn't God's plan B, okay? It's mysterious and it's awesome, but God didn't look down and say, ah, they messed up, they took the fruit. And now I'm, I'm in trouble. What are we gonna do? And then he looks, it's, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One of us has to go and one of us has to go rescue him and Jesus signs up and so Jesus goes, no, that's not how it goes. This is plan A. This is all of creation, all of history, all of God's plans are designed and revolve around this event, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If God were writing a story, the death and resurrection of Jesus would be the theme and it would be the climax, And this is really important for for what we're looking at here, living hope, because if there's no resurrection, there is no living hope. If Jesus has not defeated death by rising from it, never to die again, we don't really have living hope, do we? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, your faith is useless, and you're still in your sins, And those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If we only have hope in this life, we're to be pitied more than all people. But hey, we've got hope, not just in this life, but for eternity. Verse 20, but Christ has indeed raised from the dead and he is the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep in the Lord. Everyone who's fallen asleep, another word for death, in the Lord, he is the first fruits and they will be raised again. They're with him forever When you become born again, God counts the death of Jesus as your death. And he counts his life as your life. And so we're in union with an indestructible savior, the one who's risen from the dead, never to die again. And Jesus said, because I live, remember, you will live also. Our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. So we have this firm foundation for our hope for our confident expectation. And and the pillars are, are the mercy of God, the new birth by the Spirit, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, you don't have to build the foundation for your hope. You don't have to maintain the foundation for your hope. You don't have to work on it. God himself has laid the foundation that everything is built on. And it's immovable, unshakable, imperishable, can't be improved upon. It's a firm foundation that we can trust. We can lean our full weight on him. Anything you have, anything you brought into this room, you can give to him, no matter what it is. Whatever worry, whatever anxiety, whatever bitterness, whatever sin, you can give it to him. And he he is full of mercy, and he's a sure foundation. Um, I want us to look next at verse four and see that living hope has a secure future. It has a firm foundation, but it also has a secure future. All right, verse four. So we've been born again to this living hope to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You have an inheritance in Jesus. All that he has, he gives to you. All that he has, eternal life, unending joy, resurrection body, freedom from sin and pain and death, that is your inheritance. That is your inheritance. And in fact, the Bible says that he gave you a down payment to to let you know he's good on it. He'll make good on it. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is a down payment of what we'll receive in heaven. That's beautiful. So as as awesome as the Holy Spirit indwelling us is, it's going to get better. That's awesome. The Holy Spirit is a down payment. Um, So our future hope is that we have an inheritance kept in heaven for you, kept in heaven. And look at the words Peter uses to describe um, this inheritance, imperishable. It'll never disappear, it'll never fail, undefiled, no sin, no no darkness will be able to touch it, unfading. It'll never lose its luster, it'll never lose its joy. We're not gonna get 10,000 years down the road in heaven and say, this is getting boring it's going to increase increase from glory to glory this is a beautiful inheritance and i want you to look at this word kept we've got this inheritance and it's kept in heaven for you this is the word greek word tereo which means to watch over to guard to protect now who's guarding it right who's keeping it that's important it's the god who has great mercy it's the god who caused you to be born again. It's the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He is keeping that inheritance for you. And who's gonna snatch it out of his hand? Nobody. And even better, this is, I love this. The one who defeated death is keeping your inheritance for you, but he is keeping you for your inheritance. Let's look at that. Who by God's power, it's kept for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time when Jesus comes back. He's the first and he is the last, the beginning and the end. He bookends your life completely. You're surrounded by mercy, by his goodness. One of the most beautiful passages, not only does God keep your inheritance for you, he keeps you for your inheritance. He guards you, he keeps you. He keeps both ends of the deal, right? And so you can know that your future is secure. Jesus said, no one gets out of my hand. And in fact, I'm in the father's hand. So, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but if someone were to uh, get snatched out of the the, uh, son's hand, there's the father, okay? What he's saying is you can bank on it. If you give your life to Jesus, you can bank on it. He's not gonna let you go. He's not gonna cast you off. He's not going to tomorrow when you have a moment of doubt or you have a moment of sin or you have a moment of bitterness. He's not gonna say, Aaron, I tried. I tried right? I tried with you, but you just won't stop doing that same old thing. You won't stop doubting. You won't stop with your complacency, whatever it is, okay? No, he is rich in mercy. No one can snatch us out of his hand, and he is guarding us through faith. He's stirring our faith, stirring our faith. Part of this, this morning, is stirring our faith together that he will keep you secure. So, First of all, we saw that our, our living hope has a firm foundation. We 've got a reason for our hope. Uh, secondly, our living hope um, has a secure future. and now I want, to look, want us to look at this. Living hope is sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Okay so, so Peter's just been talking uh, about all this be- these beautiful things. Bless you, praise you, Father because you had great mercy. You caused us to be born again. You gave us living hope. You've given us an inheritance that won't perish, won't be defiled. It won't fade. I'm keeping it for you in heaven and I'm keeping you for it. And so he says, in this and all this, rejoice. Be filled with joy. Be filled with joy. But look, even though now for a little while, if necessary, he's putting a lot of qualifiers on it, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody ever been grieved by a trial? Grieved, touched to the core of your being by a trial, by the loss of a loved one, by the crushing of a dream, by, the, by, by something you thought you had gotten over, and here it comes again. Grieved by a various trial, persecuted, mocked for loving Jesus. I don't, I don't know what it is, but the Christian life is sorrowful yes there's trials we don't ignore that remember like abraham we face the fact we're not naive we're not oblivious we're not blind yes there are trials but we rejoice in those trials sorrowful yet always rejoicing um peter peter is writing this letter he says it in verse one verse two he's writing this letter to exiles that have been spread all across uh, the different provinces. And most likely what happened is, is Nero <clears throat> has started persecuting the church because of a fire there, and he is severely persecuting them. I mean, throwing them in prison, feeding them to the lions, crucifying them. And so uh, the church of God in Rome has been dispersed. They're leaving, right? We can't stay here. The persecution is too great. And they're living in all these places that aren't their homes. They're refugees. And that's who Peter, Peter's writing to. Peter, who was a pastor in Rome, and so maybe these are former members of his church, I don't know. and at the end of the book, he says, um, "I'm writing this from Babylon," which was a code word for Rome. but in either case, they've been experiencing heavy persecution, and he's telling them to rejoice, because for a little while, just a little while, you have to be grieved by various trials. What does Paul say in Romans? These momentary light afflictions are working for you an eternal weight of glory. An eternal weight of glory. Now here's here's the deal. They don't feel like light afflictions, do they, all the time? They don't feel like light afflictions. They feel heavy. But I, I want you to remember something. Living hope doesn't mean that we are immune to sorrow. It means that sorrow does not have the last word. We're not immune to it, but sorrow will not have the last word. Jesus does. And that gives us joy. That gives us joy. That's not the same thing as glib uh, or chipper happiness. It's joy. It's joy rooted in a person. It's joy rooted in the promise keeper. It's joy rooted in the one who has an inheritance for you. The one who's conquered death, risen from the dead. That even, even those who have died in the Lord will live again the promise keeper. And remember how he said that the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's, that's like the central event in history. That's the story. Uh, Paul says in Romans that, that all of creation even is groaning, waiting to be redeemed, waiting for something that's coming, the great reversal, the great resurrection that's coming, the undoing, the remaking. All of life is revolving around that story that what was lost can be found, what has died be raised to life. And so the great hope that we have has a foundation in the God who's risen from the dead, out of His mercy, caused us to be born again, and that death will not have the final victory. Sorrow will not have the final word. There is someone strong enough to comfort you in your suffering, and to refine you, as through fire, through suffering and by suffering himself to destroy suffering. It's so beautiful. He can simultaneously comfort you in suffering, make you more like him through suffering, and destroy suffering. How did he do it? On a Roman cross 2,000 years ago. Destroyed suffering, destroyed death, ultimately. put the down payment. And listen, the, the way it gets dark, the path is not always clear. I love this old saying, God is too kind, too good to be unkind. God is too wise to be mistaken. When we cannot trace his hand, we can trust his heart. When you can't see how is God gonna work this for my good, right? The Bible says he works how many things? All things for my good. All things, everything. Lord, I can't see the picture you're drawing. I see little bits and I don't like them all the time. They don't look like they fit together, but he works all things together for a good. And when we cannot trace his hand, we can trust his heart. And what is his heart? Great in mercy. Great in mercy. He loves you so much. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't we just stand? If y'all wouldn't mind just playing some music in the background. think with with a gathering like this there there are there is someone, if not many of you you uh, need hope this morning i don 't know what the situation is i don 't know uh, what it 's for, but you need hope or you need a shot of faith in the promise keeping God i don 't know what circumstances you 're walking through, what challenges what what Unmet expectations or or unrealized promises that you th- think you've received from God and you're like, where is it, Lord? Like Abraham, it's been a hundred years. Where is it? I don't know. And, and maybe some of you are without hope. You've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that He is merciful, and He offers you living hope this morning. And maybe you're walking through a grievous trial. And, and you look at this, and it's easy to say, okay, yeah, yeah, this is to test the genuineness of my faith, really, God? You're, you're bringing this horrible thing to show that I trust in you? I don't like that, I don't see that, I don't understand that, I don't see that, God. And you need hope in the promise-keeping God, that he's faithful, that he has a plan, that he will work all things together for good that he can bring beauty out of ashes and strength to your weakness and forgiveness to your sin every single time. He is faithful to do it. He's done it before. He's done it before and he'll do it again. That's our testimony. Anyone who's in Christ, that's your testimony. We we weren't beautiful and lovely and smart and awesome and have it all put together. No, he came and found us by his mercy and he put us together. He put us in Christ So now when he sees you, he sees Jesus. That's it. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your unbelief. He sees Jesus if you're in Christ and he forgives you. He offers you a way forward. He offers you hope in the darkness, hope in the darkness. He offers you living hope. And so I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, would you awaken living hope within us? Awaken living hope, God that we would lean and trust on you, our firm foundation. Trust in your love, oh love that will not let me go. When I can't hold on to you, you cling to me, God. You hold me fast to yourself. Thank you, God, that you have an inheritance waiting for us, for all those who have fallen asleep. Lord, there is resurrection coming. Thank you that you guard us for it. Awaken hope in us, God, that our future is secure. And because we have that firm foundation, that secure future, God, bring joy into our present. Rock-solid joy that acknowledges our circumstances. We see them, Lord. We see that sorrow. But that sorrow does not have the last word. The one who holds the keys of death has the last word the one who rose from the dead, the one who loves you with an everlasting love. He has the last word now and always. So just give it, give it to him, whatever it is. Ask him for that living hope. And if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't met him, if you haven't trusted in him, you can lean on him, your full weight, your full trust, your full confidence. You can say, Lord, I know My sin is great, but Lord, I believe your mercy is more. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that you offer me forgiveness and new life. God, make me new, make me clean. Come and dwell in me, God, by your Holy Spirit. And he'll do it. He really, really loves us. And I think... this will be a whole nother sermon. But Peter's going to later say this. He said, always be ready to give an account when people ask you for the reason why you have hope. That's what God's doing in us. He is sending us out into a hopeless world as ambassadors of hope. And people start to say, I, it doesn't make sense. You seem different. Why are you hoping in God? Give, give me a reason for your hope. Give me a reason for it. Fill us up, God, by the power of your spirit. And Lord, we thank you for all you've done this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we have your word. Thank you that you speak to us. We give you this week, God. We lean our full weight on you, our confident, expectant trust in you, our promise-keeping savior. We love you. In Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Uh, have a good week. If you need prayer, come up front. Come grab one of us and let's pray. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them. I love you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboon.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.